Well, good morning. My name is Dwayne. This is Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. Today is July the 12th. Hope you've had a good week. Today we're going to back up and look at some por a portion of scripture that we have covered over the past week. This is session session 22, session 22, and we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 36, uh, where we left off with Tabitha, um, who, who by interpretation was called Dorcas. So let's uh, go ahead and look in our Bibles to Acts chapter 9, uh, verse number 36, and this is where Dorcas was restored to life. We just saw the healing of Aeneas, and um, let's see, Saul was in Jerusalem, and then, went, then, where, and then Peter comes back into the picture in Acts 9.32, and it came to pass as Peter passed throughout all the quarters, he came also to the saints which dwelt in Lydda, and of course these saints were Jews only, and there he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole, rise and make thy bed, take thy bed. And, uh, and he arose immediately, and all that dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And we've discussed this before, but obviously Paul was preaching the kingdom gospel. That's the only gospel that he knew. That's the gospel that he responded to. And the gospel of grace had not been given to him yet, as far as we can discern. And then let's look in um, verse number 36 today. And there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds that she did. Uh, Joppa uh, was a small port town uh, close to Lydda. Um, it's uh, mentioned throughout the Old Testament as a, as a port. In 2 Chronicles 2.16, building the temple, they carried, um, they cut wood out of Lebanon, and uh, they brought them in floats by sea to Joppa. And then in Ezra 3.7, um, they gave money unto the masons, the carpenters, the meat and the drink and the oil, and desired unto them of Tyre to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the Sea of Joppa. And then we see it in in the, the story of Jonah. Uh, but Jonah rose to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, which is where he found the ship to go to Tarshish. So also the name Tabitha or, Tabitha or Dorcas means gazelle or doe. And then notice in verse number number 37, uh, and, it came, and it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. So this woman actually died here. Uh, whom when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydia was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men desiring that he should come without delay. But Peter rose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him to the upper chamber and all the windows, the widows stood by weeping and showing the coats and the garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down. In other words, he put them all out of the room. He kneeled down and he prayed. And turning him to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. 
And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it was known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. So in these verses, Peter raised uh, Dorcas from the dead. Now again, we see a pattern miracles followed by belief that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And that was the pattern from Pentecost. You perform the miracles, you, you draw the crowd, you present the gospel, and people responded. Now, no, not one of us can contend that, that uh, God works this way today. Uh, even those who claim that he does, at least on a routine basis, we we, we're, we're highly suspicious of that. Um, I don't know anybody that's really not, unless they're over the top. Uh, it was just simply a different dispensation. This was the kingdom church. This was the outpouring of Joel chapter 2. This was preparing the nation uh, to be the kings and priests that God wanted them to be to reach the Gentiles. But, of course, they had to repent and be baptized first before that could happen, beginning at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Um, we just do not live under this apostolic dispensation today. And now, there are some folks that believe we do. I put up a uh, something the other day on my uh, Directional Bible Ministries Facebook page, uh, Bethel Church. Um, they pulled a staff out and brought it up on stage and started quoting from the Lord of the Rings. Um, and of course, they were claiming apostolic authority. Um, that's, once you start, once you are no longer rightly dividing the word, separating us from them, <laughs> separating the body of Christ from the nation of Israel, uh, it gets fuzzy. It gets, you know, George Bush said it's fuzzy math. I mean, you start taking things on yourself that have nothing to do with you. And I'm afraid the hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church has done just that. Uh, they're taking gifts and callings and positions, covenants, promises on themselves, and it has nothing to do with them. It's replacement theology is what it is. Uh, they are replacing the Israel with the body of Christ. They are taking those peculiar people that God set aside for himself, his chosen people, and making themselves so. And it, it leads to a lot of bad, shaky, and quite frank, frankly scary uh, teachings and doctrines in the church uh, today. Um, so we just do not live in this dispensation anymore. Uh, that dispensation ended uh, when the last apostle died, which would have been John. Um, once the kingdom offer was officially rejected uh, and the apostle Paul was raised to go to the Gentiles, that dispensation ended the same way it began over a period of time. Um, then notice in verse number 10, or chapter number 10, Now there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian, 
Ban, a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house and gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Um, uh, I had a friend who sent a meme uh, and asked me what I thought of it, uh, but the meme basically said there are no white people in the Bible. <laughs> and the, the first thing I responded, well, what about Cornelius? Uh, he was Italian. <laughs> um, again, we just, we, we twist scripture to make it fit whatever's going on in our current day. Um, and Italians were Romans. Romans were Italians. They were Caucasians. Um, anyway, he was a devout man, one that feared God in his house and much alms to the people. It must be first noted that Cornelius was not a Jew. Uh, and if he wasn't a Jew, that means he was a Gentile. <laughs> Uh, and um, he wasn't a proselyte, as far as we can tell, either. Um, he was a Gentile. He was a Roman centurion. Um, I believe that God is preparing Peter for a meeting that he was going to have with Paul 12 years from this date. Because 12 years from this time, he's going to be sitting in Jerusalem listening to Paul and Barnabas talk about how the gospel of grace has been poured out upon the Gentiles. And Peter's uh, receiving uh, a little taste of that here. But it's not the same thing. It's not like it's different. Um, notice that even though he was a devout man and one that feared God, he still needed the gospel. He was still a lost man. Uh, you know, and there's churches today that are full of people like Cornelius. Um, George Barna said a few years ago that statistically 70% of the average evangelical church, evangelical um, church in America is lost. Uh, I have no doubt about that. If anything, it's probably higher than that, especially when you get outside of the evangelical church into the more high church liturgical churches. It's higher than that because they're not preaching any gospel. <laughs> um, they have turned into country clubs. Uh, it's hard to sit in a church today and hear a clear presentation of the gospel. Uh, and when you do hear the presentation of the gospel, it is a mixture of the kingdom gospel and the gospel of the grace, which is Paul said in Galatians is no gospel at all. Um, Peter went on and shared this event in Acts chapter 11, verses 12 through 14, as he recounts it. And, of course, Peter is referring uh, to these verses here. Now, look in, uh, in Acts, chapter, I mean, Acts 10, verse number 3. Uh, and he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And then he looked on him and was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And notice he responded the same way that Saul did on the road to Damascus. What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he, for he lodgeth with one Simon the tanner, whose house is by the seaside. And he will tell thee what thou oughtest to do. So here we see Cornelius. He's praying about three o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, an angel of God tells him that his prayers have been answered. Uh, tells him he, he needs to call for Peter. Um, 
and he would tell him what he needed to do next. And he even gave him the directions where Peter was going to be lodging. Um, interestingly, only the KJV says, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Um, you compare the other translations, they don't record that. And of course, you need to understand, uh, when you're talking about translations of the Bible, you're talking about underlying text, what they used for that translation. Um, and of course, the King James, New King James, uh, comes off one set of texts, and all the other translations of the Bible come off another set of texts. Uh, so apparently the received text, the majority text uh, that the King, ja King James comes off of has, he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do, and the others do not. Now I don't know, at least at this point, how doctrinally sig significant that is. I I don't, I don't see anything brought into question here, but there's other areas for sure, and we've talked about that. Um, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit more today. Uh, now look in verse number 7. And when the angel spake, which spake unto Cornelius, was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. And then on tomorrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up in the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So while these guys are on their way, Cornelius has already received his vision. Peter is going to receive one as well. While these guys are on their way to collect him, he's setting up on a housetop around noon. And he's in prayer, and he's apparently hungry. So there's probably food being cooked in the home below. And Peter's getting a little distracted by the food. Um, either way, God uses this hunger sensation to show Peter something. Now look in verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that's common or unclean. You see, in the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter number 11, the Jewish people, and understand, Peter is still very much under the law here. You know, people people will say, no, Acts chapter 2, the body of Christ, the church was born, and we're, they're no longer under the law. They are still under the law. Peter is exhibit A here. Um, as we mentioned earlier, they still went to the synagogue. They still went to the temple, which means they still participated in sacrifices. All of this was going on. All of this did not end in Acts chapter number 2 uh, for the Jewish people. The Jewish people were still very much under the law. Um, um, so Peter sees a mixture of animals on this sheet. Some are clean, some are unclean. Um, however, the point of these verses that I missed for so many years is why did Peter respond the way that he did? Because he's still under the law. That's why he responded 
the way that he did. That sheet didn't come down and Peter just go, oh, he's trying to tell me to go to the Gentiles. That's not what went through Peter's mind. Peter had been told from day one when they were called out by Jesus to be his apostles, go not into the way of the Gentiles. Uh, P Peter wasn't leaning that way. Uh, and bear in mind, this is eight years after Pentecost. And Peter is still obedient to the law. Peter is still under the law. Uh, eight years after Pentecost. If the church began, the age of grace began, why is Peter still observing the law? Because he's still under the law because the church hasn't began and the age of grace hasn't began. That's the answer to those questions. There is no body of Christ at this point in the book of Acts. It's not there. Now, notice in verse number 15, And the voice spake unto him the second time, What God hath cleansed, call thou not common. That was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. And while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, he still was clueless. Behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, who was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. So just to make uh, further the point here, God repeats himself three times and P Peter is still doubting. He's still struggling with what he has just seen. Um, now, some have suggested that this is Peter receiving the revelation of the mystery that hidden in past ages that the body of Christ um, would be um, would become would come. That is not the case at all. That was given to Paul. That was never given to Peter. Uh, so this is not the revelation of the mystery. And when I talk about the revelation of the mystery, I mean Jew Gentile body of Christ, the grace gospel, the gospel that no longer required repentance and baptism for salvation, the gospel that required only belief. And you know as well as I do, and I did it for many years, how many people will say you need to repent and be baptized. But it's by faith, not of grace, lest any man should boast. Well, you're mixing two Gospels. Um, and that's exactly what he warned them against in, to the Galatians. Uh, we're mixing two Gospels, and when you insist that the body of Christ was born, the church as we know it, the church of which we are a part was born in Acts chapter number two, you're going to mix the two gospels, uh, which again, Paul said was no gospel at all. Peter is not receiving the revelation of the mystery here at all. And notice in verse number 19, and while Peter thought on this vision, the spirit said in him, behold, three men seek thee, arise therefore, get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing for I have sent them. So God is now getting ready to demonstrate firsthand what he's trying to tell Peter. Um, why do you think God used a traumatic vision to speak to Peter? Because Peter's entire, the Lord's entire ministry while he was on this earth was to Jews and Jews only. And he told his disciples the same thing. You go to the nation of Israel. You go to the little flock. You go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see, that's why we, we start muddying the waters when we start saying we, the Gentiles, are the lost sheep. 
were not the lost sheep in the context of the gospel. The lost sheep are the house of Israel. But see, we there's this Bible app now that I find to be very funny. It's called Calm or something like that. And it comes on at night and it says, listen to the Bible as read through the gospels uh, so that you can fall asleep, <laughs> which, which makes it sound very boring. But you're also listening to the gospels which has little or nothing to do with the body of Christ. But we read the Gospels and we place the body of Christ into the Gospels. And, and thus we end up with this confusion about enduring to the end and repentance and baptism and all these things that doesn't have anything to do with the body of Christ because we are not rightly dividing the word of truth. The gospel, the, the books of the New Testament that are written directly to the body of Christ were written by Paul and only by Paul. Romans to Philemon are the books that are addressed to the Gentile. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Hebrews, the Hebrew epistles through the book of Revelation were written to the Hebrews. That's why we call them Hebrew epistles. <laughs> um I laugh, but you know, I, I can't throw stones. I missed it for years myself. So God is getting ready to demonstrate firsthand what he's going to tell, what he, what he had just been, been telling Peter. Uh, and he used this traumatic vision because Peter was told his, the entire three years that our Lord was on the earth, go to the Gentiles only. These 12 Jesus sent forth, and Matthew commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, nor into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not. Now later, as we see, we're in this transition. Uh, the first place Peter went was to the Samaritans, and now he's going into the way of the Gentiles. Okay, there's a transition taking place here. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, we do not preach that gospel today, or at least we're not supposed to. But, but we do. Uh, we brag about how we are part of the kingdom. We, we brag about that we're, 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 we're the king's children. We, 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 we're bringing in the kingdom. We're pushing the kingdom. We're working the kingdom. We're, we're part of the kingdom. Uh, no, that kingdom never came. Christ was not talking about a spiritual kingdom. He was talking about a physical kingdom where he would fulfill the Davidic and the Abrahamic covenants with the nation of Israel and set up a new covenant with the nation of Israel. So we are not kingdom people and we are not covenant people. So you can put kingdom in your doctrinal statements. You can put a covenant in your in your in your doctrinal statements you can put it on even put it on the on the names of your churches it doesn't make it true um, we are not kingdom people we are not covenant people uh, we are the body of Christ Jew and Gentile alike and again I've heard for so long that the Jews um, were bigoted and just did not understand what God was doing and that is why they struggled so hard at taking the gospel to the Gentiles. No, they were not bigoted. And no, they did not struggle. They were doing what they were told to do until they were told differently. And Peter was told differently to go to the Samaritans. And Peter here is being told differently to go to a Gentile named Cornelius. 
But bear in mind, as he goes, he's still preaching the gospel of the kingdom because that is all that he knew. In verse 21, And when then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am him whom you seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that fears God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brother from Joppa accompanied him. So even though Peter is still obviously confused, he is obedient to what is happening because he realizes what's going on is, is of God. And on the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them, he called together his kinsmen and near friends, and as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter, taking him up, said, Stand up, for I myself am a man. Uh, in preparation for Peter's arrival, Cornelius, in his excitement, calls his friends and his kinsfolk, and they gather. Um, the fact that Cornelius tried to worship him speaks to his spiritual state. Um, um, and as you can see there, the first pope didn't allow himself to be worshipped. That would be subsequent popes that allowed that. Peter was not the first pope. And to say that Peter was the first pope is not rightly dividing the word of truth. It's making the church born in Acts chapter number 2. And of course, if you look in the Roman system of church, they have made themselves Israel. Everything from the priests and the bishops to the separation of the laity, the clergy, the transubstantiation, the communion... Uh, you got to go through the priest. Uh, Jesus said there's only one mediator between God and man, but now there's a priest still between God and man. They have made themselves the nation of Israel. That's where, that's where what covenant and replacement theology will get you. So in preparation, he calls all of his, his kinsmen. Look in verse 27. And as he talked with them and went in and found many that were come together, he said unto them, Ye know how that it was, is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come into one, unto another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. It's starting to click with Brother Peter. <laughs> he's, he's beginning to understand, you know, that common, unclean. Going back to the blanket, going back to the sheet, rise, kill, and eat, Peter. Um, therefore... In lieu of that, I'm come unto you without gainsaying. In other words, I didn't fight it. As soon as I was sent for, I asked, therefore, for what intent have ye sent for me? So now Peter recounts why he's there and he wants to know what they want. Uh, interestingly, Peter points to the law to say that a Jew should not keep company with the Gentile. Now, I've been trying to study this. I, I don't know where Peter is getting that. I, I can't find scripture and verse. If you can, please let me know. Instead, I think Peter must be referring to the rabbinical teachings of the day, or maybe he's referring to how Jesus uh, told them not to go to the Gentiles. Um, but Jesus never told them, quote, don't keep company with the Gentiles, but he did tell them don't go to the Gentiles. And it was considered to be unclean 
uh, and sinful for a Jew to break bread with a Gentile because they were becoming one with the heathens. Um, so I'm not, what Peter's referring to there, again, he's either referring to the rabbinical teachings of the day or he's referring to, and understand, when, you know, when Jesus uh, laid down the law of the kingdom, in the book of Acts, I mean, Jesus is still operating under the law. I mean, Peter may have been referring to that. Um, but anyway, he says, I've come. I haven't, I'm not fighting it. Uh, so no doubt uh, there is a transition taking place here, which began with Saul's conversion in chapter number nine. Uh, Cornelius here in chapter number 10. And then Peter is going to return to the church of Jerusalem and he's going to explain what God did among the Gentiles, how they received the word of God. And that word of God is the kingdom gospel. Uh, and then they're going to send Barnabas to Antioch to find Saul, where they were first called Christians. Antioch was a Gentile church. In chapters 13 and 14, Paul and Barnabas are going to do their missionary journeys to the Gentiles. Uh, and then they're going to come back in chapter number 15 and explain the gospel of grace that had been revealed exclusively to the Apostle Paul. And he's going to share that with the Jerusalem Council, Peter, James, and John. And they're going to agree, you take the gospel of grace to the uncircumcised and we will remain in Jerusalem with the gospel of the kingdom to the circumcised. So there's a transition taking place and that's where we who teach this are called mid-acts. Uh, we don't believe that the church, the body of Christ, began in Acts chapter number 2. That's not mid-acts. That's the beginning of Acts. Okay, um, It happened mid-acts. Now, we don't, I mean, we can't say it happened in chapter number 9. We can't say it happened here in chapter number 10. We can't say it happened for sure in 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. But we know by the time we get to 15, the Apostle Paul has received the revelation of the ministry that the nation of Israel was no longer going to be given the kingdom and that God was going to show grace to the nation of Israel and raise up the body of Christ. God was going to postpone the kingdom for the body of Christ. Uh, and that's why that is called a mid-acts position. Uh, and I, I wish we could put our finger on it and, you know, get a chapter and verse, but we know that it happens sometime in there. So he says here, I therefore ask for what intent have you sent me? Um, Peter still really had, he'd done what he was told to do, but he wanted to know what they wanted. Uh, in other words, preaching the gospel of the kingdom to them was not what he was thinking of at the moment. And of course, Cornelius begins to recount his story. And Cornelius says, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. And thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea who when he cometh shall speak unto thee, and immediately therefore I sent to thee. 
and thou hast well that thou art come. Thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all present before God to hear the things that are commanded thee of God. So Cornelius is saying, all right, you've been obedient. I've been obedient. Tell me why God sent you to us. Um, so Cornelius <clears throat> counts the whole thing, and he says, you're going to tell us what we ought to do. He's responding to Peter's question, wherefore have I been sent? And Cornelius says, because an angel in bright clothing came to me and told me you were going to come and tell me everything that I need to do. Uh, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. The dawning <laughs> is happening with Peter. Uh, but in every nation, he that feareth him worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now notice, he that fears him and worketh righteousness. That tells you right off the bat that Peter is still gospel of the kingdom. It's a works gospel. So Peter is putting together his vision plus Cornelius's vision and understands that he's there to share the gospel of the kingdom with Cornelius, his kinfolk, and his family. As such, Many will say that Peter was the first Gentile Christian. No, excuse me, Peter was a, I mean, Cornelius was a Gentile, but he was not a Christian. They were first called Christians at Antioch. Christians were followers of the gospel of grace. Cornelius here is gospel of the kingdom. He is now a Jewish proselyte. He is not a Christian. He is not the first one into the body of Christ. Uh, the content of Peter's message simply does not bear this out at all. And then verse 36, And the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is a Lord of all. That Lord I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began in Galilee after the baptism which John preached. So now Peter is simply sharing what had been and was going on in regards to the nation of Israel and the preaching of Christ. Now, you and I, we preached Christ crucified. Gospel of the kingdom was simply Christ, to believe that he was indeed their Messiah. Uh, for you and me in the gospel of grace, it's not just that belief. We do believe that, but it's belief in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Two different gospels. So he's simply sharing what's going on, and apparently it was so well known that he assumes that even the Gentiles had already heard about this. Again, there's nothing new here. Jesus' ministry began in Galilee after the baptism of John. That's all Peter is saying. In verse 38, how he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and went about doing good and healing that all that were oppressed of the devil. Again, referring to Jesus' baptism at the hands of John and his subsequent ministry that only proved that he was indeed the Messiah. And understand, everything that Christ did during his earthly ministry was to prove to the nation of Israel that he was indeed their long-awaited Messiah. And that if they would turn to him, he would restore them and would bring in the kingdom. Um, and then look in verse 39, And we are witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. In other words, we were there 
throughout Jesus' entire ministry. We are witnesses to everything that he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Therefore, they before they slew him and hanged him on a tree. Again, our Lord's ministry was exclusively to the nation of Israel. And when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we need to understand who he's talking to, what he's talking about. If we start placing ourselves in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're going to end up with all kinds of bad theology. We're going to end up with, with uh, incompatible theologies. We're going to end up with contradicting theologies. Because everybody that tells you you can lose your salvation is going to go to the Gospels or the Hebrew Epistles to get there. They have to. Because those scriptures are to the nation of Israel who were under the law, under a system of works for their salvation. So they had to endure to the end. That is not for us. But you look. That's where they get it. They're not rightly dividing the word of truth. And then notice verse 40. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses that were chosen before God. Those witnesses chosen before God was him and the other apostles, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. These are those who participated in that 40-day seminar between his resurrection and his ascension. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. Now, of course, his resurrection from the dead was the ultimate proof that he was indeed their long-awaited Messiah. And they, the apostles, were witnesses chosen before God. That doesn't mean that others did not see him, but that they were chosen to be the ones who would bear witness of that resurrection to the nation. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 6 clearly says he was seen above 500 brethren at one time. So, notice in uh, verse 43, to him gave all the prophets witness. In other words, all of the Old Testament prophecies pointed to the Messiah. All Old Testament prophecy is in regard to the nation of Israel. So when we start quoting verses, if my people who are called by my name will, that is talking to the nation of Israel. We do not hold sway over that promise. That promise was not for us. Now, does God honor? Does, can we make application? Yeah, but we cannot make interpretation for that. Those verses are aimed at the nation of Israel and the nation of Israel alone. In the context, everything from Genesis to Malachi is about the nation of Israel. That through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and did magnify God. Then Peter answered and said, Can any man find water, or forbid water, that these should be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he
he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and he tarried there certain days. So this is a kingdom gospel and Cornelius's response to that kingdom gospel is followed by the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and baptism. This is the same format since Acts chapter number 2. Uh, so we have seen the Holy Spirit come upon the twelve. We've seen the Holy Spirit come upon the Jewish believers. The only mix there was when the Holy Spirit came upon the Samaritan believers. It did not happen until Peter had come and laid hands on them, and we talked about why that was probably the case. And now he's coming upon Gentile believers. So it must, <clears throat> uh, it must be concluded that the filling of the Holy Spirit is not a mark of the church, but an empowerment to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And the whole purpose of Pentecost was to empower them, give them that dutimous power and braveness to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Peter, who denied Christ to a, to a child, uh, Peter, who denied Christ three times, was endued with this power, and then he was able to stand up before the nation of Israel and preach the gospel of the kingdom. That that's what the purpose of Pentecost was, that empowering. Um, in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That is a kingdom commission there. That is not a body of Christ commission there. And again, some will say that Peter was preaching and Cornelius was responding to the grace gospel. Well, if that was truly the case, nobody told Paul. Because Paul said he was the first one to hear about it. He was the first one to receive it. Therefore, he was the first one to share it. Um, in Galatians 1, 11, But I certify to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. So if he had received it from Peter, he couldn't say that. For neither received I it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul was the first one. Ephesians 3, 2. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words. Wherefore, when you read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery. Peter didn't understand the mystery until Paul told him. Romans 2.16, in the day that God would judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to Peter's gospel. No, according to my gospel. Romans 16.25, now to him that is the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of the cross, of the cross, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. So, Paul even said, that when he did preach to the Jews, prior to him receiving that revelation, he only spoke what the prophets and Moses said would come. He didn't teach anything else because he did not know anything else until the revelation of the mystery. Under the kingdom gospel, they only believe in the Messiah for eternal life and national salvation. But under the grace gospel, we believe in the completed work of Christ on the cross, 
therefore receiving immediate and personal salvation. We are not a part of any of the kingdom promises or a part of the, any of the kingdom requirements. That is not the message that Peter is teaching to Cornelius, his kinsfolk, and his friends here in chapter number 10. And that's we see that because Peter immediately commanded them to be baptized. Why? It was required under the law. It was required that they be baptized. On the other hand, Paul said that he was not sent to baptize, but to preach the, the gospel, not with wisdom words, let the cross lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So again, two different Gospels here. Now look in chapter number 11. And the apostles and the brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, how did they respond? They contended with him, saying, Thou wentest unto men that are uncircumcised, and you ate with them? So notice Peter's reception as he returns back to Jerusalem. Why were they upset with him? If he was only obeying Matthew chapter 28 and verse number 19, to go ye therefore unto all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I mean, wasn't Peter just being obedient to that? Obviously, we do not understand what Matthew 28 verse number 19 means because we take it to mean that they were to go to the Gentiles. But they took it to mean, no, we don't go to the Gentiles. So obviously, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19, is applicable to the Jews and the Jewish nation only. Or they wouldn't have contended with him or fought with him. Again, you got to twist scriptures to end up with the wrong interpretation, I'm afraid. Now, look in verse 4. And then Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning. And again, he, he, re he rehearses everything. He goes back. I was in the city of Joppa. I was praying. I was in a trance. I saw a vision. This vessel descended. It was a great sheet. It was let down from heaven. And, and I considered it. And I looked at the four-footed beasts and the creeping things. And this voice came out and said, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And I said, Lord, uh, I'm a good Jewish boy. I'm kosher. Nothing common or unclean has ever entered into my mouth. But the voice came again from heaven and said, Don't call common what I've called clean. And this was done three times and it was taken back up into heaven. So Peter is justifying himself by those who were back in Jerusalem. And behold, immediately, next thing I know, there's three guys standing at Simon the Tanner's gate asking for me. And the Spirit told me to go without any doubting. Moreover, the six brethren that were with me, they accompanied me and we entered the man's house. And he even showed us how an angel came to him and told him, you need to call for Simon, who will, who will tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on these guys as it did on us at the beginning. And then I remembered that John that our Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus. What was I? Who was I to withstand what God was doing in the moment? So again, these verses uh, do not really contain any new information. They're just recounting the whole event that happened with Cornelius. 
In other words, Peter is justifying his actions because they're upset with him. Who was I to withstand God? And when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. So Peter finishes his summation, and they glorify God. And they recognize, as with Peter, that repentance unto life had been granted to the Gentiles. But understand that Cornelius and those who were with him had accepted the kingdom gospel. That's why they were baptized. This was not grace through faith, not of works salvation but instead a grace through repentance and baptism salvation. Two different Gospels, and when we mix them, we end up with no Gospel at all. In verse number 19, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenice, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word, notice, to none but Jews only. This is years removed from Pentecost, and they are preaching the gospel of the kingdom to none but Jews only. Uh, just for context, the stoning of Stephen occurred in 33 AD, and now we're in 41 AD, eight years gone by, and they're still preaching to Jews only. They were simply being obedient to the Great Commission. Now, I, I hear churches say, and I've said, we are a Great Commission church. No, the body of Christ was never called to preach the Great Commission. We were called to preach the gospel of reconciliation. That is the gospel that we were taught by the Apostle Paul. The gospel of reconciliation. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart, thou shalt be saved, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the Great Commission does not pertain to the age of the church or the, 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 the body of Christ of which we are a part today. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which were come to Antioch and spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to Lord. Now these that were scattered from Jerusalem from verse number 19 after the stoning of Stephen came into contact with Grecians. They were preaching to Jews only. So these Grecians have to be Jews because that's all they're preaching to. These are Hellenistic Jews who were part of the diaspora. These were Jews. These were non-Palestinian Jews. This was their ancestors who had been carried away by Babylon and never came back to Jerusalem. Uh, they didn't come back with Daniel and the ones who came back to Jerusalem. They stayed scattered. These were the scattered from Jerusalem. Um, we saw these Jews back in Acts chapter number 6. You remember back in, in Acts chapter number 6 and verse number 1, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. What's the difference? These Grecians here are simply Hellenistic 
Jews. They're still Jews against the Hebrews. That's the ones who lived in Jerusalem. Now, interestingly, modern translations do not call these Grecians, but they call them Greeks. They call them Greeks, which would make them what? Would make them Gentiles. But we were already told that they did not go to none but Jews only. So they're creating a, a contradiction in the text. They went to Jews only. They only went to the Grecians. Let's see, down here and <clears throat> right here, verse 22. See where I'm at here, verse 20 and 21, and some of the men of Cyprus. I'm already in verse chapter 11. Turn to the Lord. There you go. Um, well, where's that? 20 and 21. There they go. And some of them were men of Cyprus. Seeing when they were came to Antioch, they spake unto the Grecians, preaching the gospel preaching the Lord Jesus. So for the other translations here, look at this. This is the NIV, uh, Acts eleven twenty. And some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks. There's a difference between Greeks and Grecians. There's a difference between the two. So why is it translated Greeks here? Again, the only thing that I can come up with is that they are putting their bias onto the text. It's worked its way into our translations. Um, and again, the issue can be the underlying text. But even in the other text, when you, when you go between the KJV plus and you go between the New American Standard plus, you see that it's the same word, Helen or Hellenists, which is Hellenistic, Greek-speaking Jews. So why would they translate it, mistranslate it, if you will, into Greeks? Because they believe that the apostles are preaching to the Gentiles now, and they have forced that onto the text and the translations. It's just like that word church and churches that we talked about in our last study. Look at verse 22. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Now, it's worthwhile to mention here that it is obvious that the church in Jerusalem is in charge, and that is a model that the Roman Catholic Church has taken. Ruling from Rome, um, that they're following that model, and we talked about this last time. If you look at the setup of the Church of Rome, they have merely duplicated um, Israel because they believe that they are now Israel, that Israel has been replaced by them. Who, when he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord for he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. So upon his arrival, Barnabas confirmed that what they had heard was true. 
and Barnabas is preaching the kingdom gospel, and he departed to Tarsus to seek Saul. And remember, Saul disappeared in Acts chapter 9, verse number 20. He went out, they, they helped him escape. They brought him to Caesarea, sent him forth unto Tarsus, which was his hometown. And he hadn't been heard from since. So that's covering a lot of ground. Uh, but that is what we've talked about in the past week. Um, so next time we get together, uh, we will pick up uh, when he found him. And he brought him to Antioch. Now listen, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians at Antioch. So again, somewhere in there, the Apostle Paul has received the gospel of grace. Um, so we'll talk about that and a little further as we go. But I do hope that you've enjoyed the studies, that you've been challenged by them. I certainly have. Every morning, 8 o'clock, <laughs> I get up and we, 10, 15, they usually end up being 20 minutes, but we're working our way through the gospel, or through the book of Acts. And then on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, we put it all together in our study. And remember that the notes are all on uh, my blog, if you want to see them. I've also separated out between audio with SoundCloud and YouTube videos as well on the blog, DwayneSpearman.org, if you want to check those out. So, but anyway, God bless you guys. It sure was good to see you this morning. I see Otis here again. I see my brother Scott, Katrina. How are you doing, sister? I hope you're well. And uh, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for our good.